Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. It's good to be back with you guys. My name is Michael Bischoff. I get to be here about once every month or two or so when John has to go do something fun. And I'm so excited that uh, Boog's getting better. I got to talk to him a couple weeks ago and he sounded so good. Uh, Keep praying for him and Steph and their family um, just to see how deep God continues to work in and through them and the message that's going to come by this journey they've walked is just amazing to me. Um, I have a friend here this morning, Cliff, who I mentioned before in one of my messages. Cliff was the one that had lung transplant surgery about seven months ago now, seven, eight months ago. He went with me to go visit Boog when we went to go visit him. And to see how well he's doing is just encouragement and hope. So know that God uses the miracles through doctors and medical science as well as our faith and our prayers to do great things. So... Just great to be with you. Anyway, I got invited by Ash to be able to speak into one of these Lent messages at least. Lent is such an amazing time as we prepare for resurrection. And that's a weird word because it's a word we only use usually around Easter, but it's a word that applies to all of our lives in such deep and specific ways. And rather than Easter just being one day to celebrate, we have this period of Lent where we prepare our hearts for it. And I really appreciate this series because our lives are full of questions, right? And we always are getting hit by things coming our way, and our tendency is to want to ask questions and figure it all out. I don't know about you, but I'm a kind of curious person that likes to have things all figured out. And so I want to ask my questions, but that's not what this series is about. The series is called Hold Your Questions, which means I don't have it figured out. I have to hold my questions and instead allow Jesus to ask me questions or the scripture to ask me questions. So that's what this series is about. And we're going to be in our Bibles this morning in John 21. If you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. There's some Bibles up there. and Some of the ushers will pass them out. I see some hands down here. So just kind of keep it up till they see your hand and they'll bring you one of those Bibles. Turn to John chapter 21. And we're going to look at a real short passage there that's actually at the very end of Jesus' life. And a lot has gone on. This is after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, and he's hanging out with some of his disciples. And then we get to this passage in John 21, and we're really going to look at just a couple verses. It's not a long passage. We'll bounce around a little bit to be able to see some of the other stuff in the narrative that's there. But you got to kind of settle in you got to kind of allow your heart to be teachable and pay attention to what this question that was offered over 2,000 years ago might say to you, okay? So if you grab that Bible, flip over to John chapter 20 as you get a chance, and let me just read this passage for us. It says, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? Okay, so we think this is talking about John. Okay, so Peter is checking this out and now he's talking about John. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Okay, Peter's saying, Lord, what about John? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. So there's a question buried deep in there, and here's this question. What is that to you? Now, that sounds a little weird. 
It does to me at least. It feels like Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, none of your business, doesn't it? Like, you know, hello, this is between, you know, me and John, and I do my own stuff, and it's really none of your business. It's this stark kind of brash, harsh question thrown back at Peter. What is that to you? It strikes of a lot of things. I don't know what you feel when you see that question, but the question challenges me. You know, I want to figure out a lot of things that I probably have no right to figure out. And there's a lot of ways that I probably compare myself with others all the time, just as Peter was supposedly doing with John here, trying to figure things out. And I compare myself. In fact, I don't know if a day goes by that I don't compare myself, you know, about something. I'm wondering, is this message going to be as good as Esh's was last week? Could I ever compete with Boog's messages here? Because you guys know and love him and he's your pastor, right? I'm always feeling insecure. I was doing yoga on Friday, okay? And I'm in down dog. And I'm looking, I'm not looking at my down dog. I'm looking at everyone else's in the room to see, am I doing a good enough down dog compared to everyone else's in the room, right? Can you, can you relate to that? You put on clothes. You're like, are these clothes going to be okay? Is someone going to wear something that looks too like that? Was this out of style? I was thinking, I was watching people on TV this week and I'm like, I don't have any shirts that have a collar that's in style anymore. I got to throw away all my shirts and go buy a new shirt that's in style. Do you feel that pressure? The car you're driving? Okay, so here's where we're hanging for a while, okay? Think about that in the way you compare yourself with others. It starts, starts, it can start really, really young. I don't think that's my next slide, but we can sing again if we need to. So I know there's always a little technology challenge probably when we uh, have stuff going on here. Let's see if we can pull it. There we go. That's a picture of me standing in front of my elementary school. It is the Valley School of Individual Training in Van Nuys, California. For those of you that know Van Nuys, yeah, I grew up in the hood, okay? It was a barrio. And um, it wasn't as rough back then as it is now. I actually had a good friend who was a Mexican friend, loved him to death, and when he found out I grew up in Van Nuys, he's like, dude, you grew up in Van Nuys! So much credibility was just gained. I guess I'm street cred for growing up in Van Nuys. But at the time, this was a private school, unique situation. My mom sent me here because I didn't have a dad, and she needed childcare for me. And they didn't have after-school childcare as easily uh, back then as they do today. And so she paid to go, single mom income, to pay for me to go to private school so I could be cared for a little bit before school and a little bit after school while she worked, okay? So this is the school I went to. We were pretty poor. The kids at this school were not poor. This is a private school. They came from, came from rich families. So here's a school where I'm surrounded every day by rich kids and a few poor kids like me who needed childcare. Do you think I compared myself? Pretty much every day I was comparing myself to the things that those kids had and I didn't have. I remember going to a birthday party one day and it was in Northridge. And Northridge was like the Beverly Hills of the San Fernando Valley back then. It was really nice. And uh, my friend whose house it was at, his backyard was so big, he had a putting green in his backyard. It was just huge. And I remember coming home, they had all kinds of nice things and nice furniture. And I lived in an apartment. And I remember coming home and saying to my mom, Mom, I want to live at Barry Newton's house. In fact, Mom, I, I want Barry Newton's parents. I said that, and that wasn't a good thing to say. My mom started crying at that point. It was comparison. I was comparison, comparing what I didn't have to what all the kids around me always had. This is one of the scariest places it happens, and you can probably relate to this as well. At some point in your life, whether you're athletic or not, you had a lineup, right? You were on the playground, and they were picking teams, and you just hope and pray that you don't get picked last, right? 
Who's going to pick me next? Please pick me. Pick me. I just want to know that someone thinks I'm worth something. Even if I suck at this sport, I just want to know that I have some value. As you grow up a little bit more, then comes the prom. And you're going to, you know, right? Did you pick the right person to go to prom? If you don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend and trying to pick that date who you go with, let me tell you my story about prom, okay? I went to a Christian school, so we didn't have dancing and stuff. We had this thing called the junior-senior banquet. So it was kind of like prom, and then we went to grad night afterwards. But I didn't have a girlfriend, and I really wanted to ask someone out, but I didn't know who to ask. And so I asked my best friend, Jim Wern. So Jim and I went to the, to, the, to the prom thing together and to grad night together. We're still friends to this day. He's a pastor out in the San Gabriel area. And we still joke about it to this day. And thankfully, we're both married and everything has worked out okay. But, um, Jim, Jim's a good guy. But I remember that horrible night at grad night when, you know, most everybody else had a really cute date and I had Jim. So anyway, we compare ourselves in so many ways. I remember being in school and it was report card time and that wasn't all technical and digital and stuff like it is today. They actually handed out report cards that a teacher wrote, you know. And I remember one of my teachers passed out report cards starting with the lowest grade and going to the highest grade. Can you imagine being there? Just one, you know, where do I fit in this? That feels good. (sighs) Was we compare ourselves constantly, you know. Am I going to get a good grade? We compare ourselves in so many ways and in so many places. Slide's not working again here. There we go. So think about this for a second. Which fish are you? Can you relate to that just a little bit? Are you the little fish that's got the pretty bowl and some foliage growing in your bowl? Or are you the big fish going, hey, I'm bigger than you are. I deserve to be in a prettier bowl. We compare ourselves to everybody and everyone around us. And I think we do it so subconsciously we don't even realize it anymore. Let's let this question sink in a little more deeply. What is that to you? Why do we compare? Take just a minute. If we could do some group confession, I think it might be a little helpful. Take just a minute and turn to someone sitting next to you, two people if you want, and describe one way that you think you compare yourselves to others, okay? It can be a fun one or it can be a serious one. It's up to you. But just to take, take a minute, okay, and try to come up with at least one way that you compare yourself to others. I give my true confession to you, okay? I shared a few of the ways that I've struggled with over there. So take a minute and do that. Okay. Hopefully you got to share at least one. This might be one of those messages that you do a better job at kind of taking your own mental notes and writing some things down to catch yourself when you do some of the things that we're going to talk about here this morning. But I had to ask myself as I was thinking through this question this week, God, why? Why do we tend to do this? Why do we tend to struggle so much with comparing ourselves with others? And I think it relates to something that went on a little bit earlier in John's letter, in John chapter 15, okay, where Jesus says some really important things. John 15, verses 12 to 15, he says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus is talking to the disciples here, who he's called, okay? Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. 
I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Okay, now do me a little favor here. I want you to create a list. And if you've got a piece of paper and a pen, I want you to actually write something down, okay? If you type in your phone, you can type it in your phone. And it's gonna be pretty much just for you. I'm not gonna ask you to share this with anybody, okay? And if you don't have a pen or paper, there's, there are pens and paper sitting around here, little note cards and stuff like that, if you need to use those. Um, but at least make a mental list. Here's what I want you to answer. I want you to answer if someone were to make a list of their friends. Okay, let me see, I gotta get this just right or it'll be really confusing, okay? Um, who would say you're their friend? Make a list of the people that would say that you're their friend. Just who comes to mind? Who would say that you're their friend? And you're gonna write those names down to the people that would say that you're their friend. Now I know some of you are already comparing and looking at people's lists around you who has a longer list? It's not the purpose of this exercise. Who would say that you're their friend? Okay, you got a few? Okay, now true confessions, and you can keep adding to this list later if you need to or want to, because your list wasn't long enough. But here's what I want to ask. How many of you had Jesus on your list? Raise your hand. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, who put Jesus on your list? Anybody here? Nobody put? Can we look at the screen again? Uh, verse 14, Jesus said, you are my, what? Friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And then down at the bottom, I have called you, what? Friends. Here's the problem, you guys. I think one of the reasons we struggle so much with this issue of comparison is that we don't really believe that we're God's friend, that Jesus loves us deeply enough, that we really matter. Can you see this? Because if we really mattered and knew deeply how much we were loved, we would function from such a different place, wouldn't we? A place of knowledge of knowing that it didn't matter what we looked like on any given day or what clothes we wore or what car we drove or what kind of house we lived in or how smart we were or what kind of job we had, but we knew we were deeply, deeply loved. And you are. We need to know this, that how much Jesus loved us. He says it right here. If you've got your own Bible or you're taking notes or whatever, write that down, circle that. You are my friend. Jesus believes that you are his friend and that transforms us. I think he took that from the place where he was baptized and when the father said to him, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. God the father blessed Jesus with this amazing sense of identity by who he was. And Jesus was able to pass that to us and say, you know what? You are my friends. I'm blessing you. And we now have an opportunity to do the same thing. Amen? That's so important to understand. So important to understand. There's a famous quote, probably by Theodore Roosevelt, that says, comparison is the thief of joy. You might feel that a little bit, but if you are always comparing yourself to someone else, then... There's no sense of knowing who you're supposed to be. Comparison 
takes all your joy away. It's impossible to live a life of joy in your daily life if you're always looking around and comparing yourself to someone else. Someone else put it this way, a flower does not think of competing with the flower next to it. It just blooms. Isn't that good? That's the goal that we have to allow our life to bloom with what God has given us, being able to build into us and bloom with a sense of fullness and beauty, not as something that looks different, of a different color, but something that's just amazing because of the way God made it. Pastor Steve Furtick said this as well, and I think it kind of opens up a whole nother area that we don't have a lot of time to talk about, but is really, really significant. He said, the reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. Does that make sense? Don't we do that? How do we do that a lot today? I think one of the main ways that we do that, I don't know if you can see that, by this thing that we live in, social networking, this sense of always seeing what everyone else does. I think we've talked about this here a little bit before. I think I've, I think I brought it up even before. But there's, there's this sy uh, symptom now called social networking depression. Psychologists aren't even sure how to quite deal with it because every day we're kind of bombarded with all kinds of things, not just Facebook, but all kinds of social network interactions where we're looking at our behind the scenes, the things that we're not excited about doing, right? Wiping snotty noses and changing diapers and cleaning floors and cleaning toilets or being at work and kind of the grind and then looking at everybody else's amazing life that they're living that's there. And it can't help but cause you to compare yourself to others. But when you do that, remember what President Teddy Roosevelt said, man, it's going to take your joy away. Comparison is a thief of joy. It's going to rob you from that. Now, here's where I want to go back and look at something, though, because really to be fair to Peter in this story, with this interaction with Jesus, you have to go back and see what happened just before those two verses that we originally read, okay? It says, very truly, I tell you, and this is Jesus talking now, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted and when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. He's talking to Peter. You will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Okay. So here's the context with which Peter asked that question earlier about John. Well, but what about him? Peter wants to know what's going on about John because this had just happened. Tradition tells us that Peter was crucified like Jesus was. But Peter didn't consider himself worthy to be crucified exactly like Jesus was on a cross. So he was crucified upside down. I don't know how well you can see that, but that's a picture depicting Peter's crucifixion upside down. Now, can you get a little bit of the sense of why Peter was asking what he was asking? Lord, what about him? What about the other disciple? Because if I'm going to die for you, is, is he going to die for you too? John, on the other hand, lived a different kind of life. He wasn't crucified. He was possibly the only one of Jesus' disciples that wasn't martyred for his faith. He was banished in exile to a little, isle, little island in Greece called Patmos, okay? 
my wife and I got a chance to go there this last year, and we ended up on this little island. In fact, it's so small, it doesn't even have its own water supply today. They have to bring water in on a ship, even though people live there today. And supposedly, that's the island where John wrote the book of Revelation. Well, here's a view of this island. So Peter's getting crucified upside down, and John gets to finish out his life with that view. That's the background to what just got asked. Can you just feel the depth of that? The depth of comparison? Knowing that, man, I might have to give a lot for Jesus my whole life. I might get killed. Strangely, we live in a world again today where if you call yourself Christian in many places of the world, that's a very present reality. You could get your head chopped off. You could die. And Peter knew that was the reality they could face. And yet that wasn't John's reality. The other disciple that was there, the other disciple that had hung out with Jesus, he got to live a long life, sit on this beautiful island and write another book that gets to go in the Bible. That was John's story. Do you feel the tension and the comparison? And yet to the, in both cases, Jesus says the same thing. In the first passage and in the second passage, he just says these two words and they're an imperative in the original language. And that just means it's a command. Follow me. It doesn't matter if you're going to live in a beautiful place. It doesn't matter if you're going to die. It doesn't matter how much you have to suffer or what you're going to suffer. Some of you will suffer more. Some of you will suffer less. When we look at Boog's life and think of, oh my gosh, how do you even compare to what he's gone through in the last two years of suffering and now just major surgery and all the things and praise God he's alive. He has suffered much. That's not our life, right? And so there's even a sense of comparison as we think about someone who we love so much, like, like Boog and Steph. But Jesus says, you know what? Live above that. Live in a totally different way. Don't compare yourself to what someone else is going through or has to go through because there's such a tendency to do that. And there's, you know what? Throughout our life, there's always gonna be someone that's more up than us and there's always gonna be someone that's probably more down than us. Seinfeld did an episode on that years ago that was really pretty funny. But it's not real funny when we live our life like that every day. When we're always looking, you know, if I'm going to feel good about myself, I got to find someone else that's doing worse than I am. Do you ever do that? It's kind of a sick part of our humanity that we feel better about ourselves if we can find someone that's doing worse than we are. And Jesus said, no, that's not how the game's played. Because competition and comparison and the way we look at someone else and then don't feel good about ourselves is a thief of joy. There's no way you can live with resurrection joy if you're always comparing yourself to someone else. Jesus said, follow me. N.T. Wright, who's a theologian and also wrote a great commentary on John. I think Esh quoted him a couple times here too. He said this, and I just want to close with this quote because I thought it was so powerful. Part of Christian obedience is knowing that we are called to follow Jesus wherever he leads us, not wherever he leads the person next to us. Isn't that good? So where is Jesus leading you? Where is he leading me? We're in the season right now leading up to Easter. And resurrection, the thing about resurrection as we celebrate that in a couple weeks is it means there's hope. There's hope. If there's power over death in Jesus' life, we have a promise of resurrection too, meaning we're going to have the ability to live beyond whatever life throws at us and however our life ends. There will be resurrection for you and I. That's hope. The big question is, will you follow Jesus in the midst of that? 
So what is that to you as Jesus asks us that? What is that? Do I compare myself to others? I need to be more reflective in thinking that through. And during these last few weeks of Lent as we do that, the challenge I toss out to you is to catch yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Give yourself grace. But smile at yourself when you find yourself comparing yourself with others. But don't just shut it down. Let it return your mind to this place where Jesus says, follow me. So let the comparison become a prompt that allows you to figure out how to follow Jesus a little harder, a little better, a little deeper, with a little more meaning to your life. Not in comparing how good your life's going or the good things or the bad things that are going, but being able to say, no matter what's going on in my life, Jesus, I am so thankful I get to follow you. Let's pray. God, thanks for this season that leads us to resurrection. God, we, don't, we just admit we don't understand the power that brings someone back from the dead. And yet that's what the Easter story is about. God, I pray that you would help us to live in a different way this season. To catch ourselves when we compare ourselves to others and not to live in that place that robs us of joy, but instead to be able to have it remind us of the kind of follower you want us to be. God, thanks for walking with us all along that road, no matter how easy or how hard that road is. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.